Good morning, everyone. So glad you're here with us here in our second service this morning. Welcome. Glad that you're joining us as well online. And we know that uh, you have the option to turn the button on or off. So whether it's your computer or your TV or whatever it is, we're so glad you joined us today. So glad you're with us. Um, Each uh, uh, Sunday, I think in January, I think I'm going to make a commitment to give something up from last year uh, to put it behind me. And so today I am putting behind the 21 season of the Denver Broncos. This is me saying goodbye to them. So congratulations. You all agree with that one? We're all in agreement today. Chiefs fans, Broncos fans, we're all just feeling the love and the unity in the, in the, in the, in the football world. Uh, but more importantly is the unity that we have in the body of Christ today. I'm really actually, let's, this is what I'm really excited about. I'm excited about the, the group of kids, young people that Pastor Brandon took last week to Atlanta, Georgia, to the Passion Conference, about 27, 28 of our young people going to Atlanta to uh, for spend time with 55,000 other young people across the United States and Canada. Man, I see some of your faces too. I'm looking out. I see some of you there and you're smiling. You're giving a shout out. 55,000 worshiping Jesus. What an electric. I, I watched a little bit of it online, how electric it was to watch our young people ages 18 to 25 across the nation worshiping Jesus Christ and for the full desire of wanting to draw closer to him. And so I uh, got to hear a few of the speakers, incredible speaking, incredible teaching, a great time. I want to say welcome home to you. So glad that you're back and you're bringing some of that home to us today. Um, welcome home. Glad you're with us. And that's really what this series is. It's, it's welcome home um, because a good home environment uh, really makes all the difference. For me, many of you know my story. Uh, you know lots of my story, more than a story than you want to know, but you know that um, after my first year of kindergarten that uh, they had a professional meeting of, they brought in the teacher, they asked my parents to come to this meeting, the, the teacher, the principal, uh, uh, the school counselor, a psychologist, I believe. I believe they were trying to send a message loud and clear, it's going to take a village to raise this kid, we're, we need your help. And uh, so they basically recommended that I take another year, enter this program, all this different stuff. And I'm just thankful thankful that I had loving parents, a great home environment, because I believe uh, a great home environment helps provide encouragement, support, helps you through tough times, helps you overcome things, helps you become all that, you want, that you're supposed to be, helps you to grow. And that's what the church is. The church is God's family. The church is home. The church is where God's people gather together. And so if you would today, you'll see on your, on your seats, if you want to pull this out today, I invite you to take notes. The faintest ink is greater than the strongest memory. And so if you take a few notes this morning, if you fill in the blanks, um, I want to encourage you. One thing you'll see at the top there each year, and I forgot to share this last week, so I put it at the top of this message, even though this is the message I'm going to share at the end of January. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to preach on the, our verse of the year. I like to pick a verse of the year for our church each year. Last year we put it up. I don't know if we're going to put it up every year or not, but last year we're going to keep the one we had up last year. For God is for us. If God is for you, who can be against you? I don't want us to forget that. Um, we need to be reminded. I put reminders on my wrist. They're things because I'm forgetful and I lose sight. I lose focus. And so be reminded, church, God is for you. He's not against you. We haven't, that's not something we do away with. But this verse of this year is this. It's John 20, 22. Why did I pick John 20, 22? As I was asking God, help me. Uh, what's a verse we could really gravitate to this year that's helpful, that's needed? Well, 2022 is kind of a special year for us. 
Um, one is Groundhog's Day, 222 of 22. That's Groundhog's Day this year. For my family, my oldest daughter is turning 22 here in a few weeks, and my youngest daughter will turn, will turn 20. So 2022 is a great big year for us. And so I chose a verse, John 2022, and this is what it says. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I don't think there's anything better that could happen to you and me in our church than the filling of the freshness uh, of a newness of God's Holy Spirit on our lives. Um, I, I, I'm going to preach on this at the end of the, uh, the end of this month. That I want to give it all away, but I believe when we're filled more with the Spirit, uh, there's less of us and there's more of Jesus. There's more of Him. You're going to get a better pastor, and you can pray for this. You're going to get a better. You want a better? Anybody want a better pastor this year? You're going to get a better pastor the more Jesus there is and the less of me there is. You're, you're going to be better. Your family's going to be better. You're going to be better fathers, mothers, uh, students. The more Jesus there is and the less of us, this, of us there is, the better off we are. I'm excited to preach that message. But today is about a place to grow. Home is a place to grow. Becoming a growing Christian. And I want to give credit today. I, I heard the outline of this message 15 years ago. And it so marked me and just, you know, many messages you remember little bits of pieces, if we're honest, sometimes nothing. Um, but sometimes there's messages that hit you and it stays with you. And this is a mentor of mine 15 years ago. I asked for his permission. I have it. Um, so the six points of this outline are for Pastor Ray. The other stuff is really from things that from my experiences you'll see. But I want to give credit to that, that this is what it takes to grow spiritually this year. Uh, it's, a, it's, sell, it's, it's setting up a good environment cultivating what Jesus called a good soil. And so we're going to look at the story from uh, the parable that Jesus taught from Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start at verse 4. So if you want to bring your Bibles with you, join me. You can pull out your, your apps. I know you can take notes with that. I encourage you to bring your Bibles. Don't just, it's okay, look at the screen, that's great, but it's even better if we can highlight, underline, spend time in God's Word in this way. So here's, join me in verse 4. Jesus was gathering a large crowd, large crowds had been following him. They'd been spending time with him. Um, he, he, was, he was so attractive. And while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell on the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the soil. It came up, yielded a crop, a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let him hear. Uh, there's an invitation for us there today. We can be here physically present and be mentally absent. It'd be just a good prayer for us right now to say, Lord, Give me ears to hear right now. Give me eyes to see. Because we can just go on autopilot. We can just be watching on autopilot home or in here. God, give us ears today. Lord, Lord, would you give us ears to hear what you want to speak to each and every one of our hearts today? Would you give us eyes to see? Lord, would you awaken us to what you want us to hear from you in Jesus' name? His disciples asked him, what is this parable? What, what is meant by this? He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, 
But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the Word of God. The Word of God that we take for granted, that we have, you know, probably 10, 12, 14, 15 copies in our home, everywhere you can imagine, access to our phone. And yet one of the things that struck me about the Passion Conference was how many millions of people, billion of people that don't even have one word of the Word of God. Not one word. We're so spoiled. God's given us so much. And one of the cool things about watching them is these poor college-age students, 18 to 25, raising over $1.5 million or whatever, so the Bible could be translated into languages where it's never been translated before. And they even, I watched, they had one guy come out and even translate one verse in front of him. You should have seen 55,000 go crazy about the Word of God. We should go crazy about the Word of God. We take it for granted. The Word of God has been given to us. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the Word of God. That's what we do each week. It's what we do when we gather Sunday morning. It's, it's my job. If you want to know what my job is, my job is to plant seeds. Your job is to plant seeds. Your, your job is to, is to pick up the seed and, and to let the seed work in, in, in your life. The seed is the Word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the Word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Boy, we'd spend just a a little time at this service, different things jump out to me in different services, persevering. The Christian life is about persevering. That just jumped out to me here. I wish we'd had more time to spend on that, but it is about persevering. And I want to share with us this morning from the principles of Jesus, from the principle of this story, three principles, three commitments from this story, the first three principles. And here's the important thing. This is so important. Um, Uh, Our spiritual life is so important. We think around this time of year about the New Year's resolutions that we set, mental, physical, spiritual, but we set a lot of physical goals. You know, we want to lose weight, want to do different things. We set those out, and those aren't bad things. But look what the Apostle Paul says to a young Timothy, who young Timothy, I imagine, was a young, strapping lad. Paul was in his older age. He's like, young man, it's great you have all these, you know, you look great, but keep this in mind. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present and the life to come. So today, what kind of soil are you cultivating? What kind of environment are you creating? Let's talk about three principles that Jesus has from this parable. First, I must be receptive to God. This is the first environment. I must be receptive to God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. If you're following along in your notes, the hardened path equals the closed mind. The hardened path is the closed mind. Now, naturally, the first thought when we think of someone having a closed mind to the gospel, we think of maybe the atheist. We think of the person that is just 
is, is I'm not having any part of this. Um, but there's others. There's other ways to look at the closed mind. One is, I mean, let's be honest, uh, is I, was, I had to go to church every week growing up. My dad was a pastor. I didn't have a choice in the matter. I had to go. There came a point where I had to make my decision for Jesus, my decision that church was going to be a part of my life. But I had to go. And there's, so there's that element that our kids grow up and sometimes they're like, they have to be there. We can get a hard heart because it's like, I just have to be here. I'm here because someone's forcing me to be here on Mother's Day. You know, I come because I'm going to get a, you know, a great meal or whatever it is. But there, it's not just the hardened heart of those who reject God, but we can have hardened hearts and be in here today. Because the Pharisees, very religious people, deeply religious people, had hard hearts that kept them from receiving the good news of Jesus. They had hard hearts because they were focused on others and they couldn't see their own sin. They couldn't see where they fell short of the glory of God. And, and they were so focused on it. I, I think of a prayer that on Mondays when a staff gathers and we pray together, um, I think often a prayer that Pastor Dustin has prayed. And I so appreciate Dustin's ministry and his leading of our worship team, but more so than him leading up front and being kind of a, uh, uh, someone that was very easily accessible to see, I appreciate more so the person behind the scene. And what I appreciate about Dustin, this is one of the, I've heard him pray this prayer multiple times. I've heard him pray this prayer, Lord, give us thick skin and soft hearts. Give us thick skin and soft hearts. Because we all know it's easy, especially in the day that we're living in today, it's so easy to get thin, have thin skin and hard hearts. And our, hard, our hearts become hardened. We become embittered towards others. We develop critical spirits. Uh, we see the faults in others. And, and, and we, we, we can develop uh, an, an, a spirit of offense. We're easily offended. And we can develop that. And I, I love that, past, that prayer that Pastor Dustin prays. Give us open minds to give us, give us thin skin and soft hearts. Give us thick skin, excuse me. Give us thick skin and soft hearts. The second principle is I must be resolved to grow. And those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in a time of temptation, they fall away. The shallow soil is the superficial commitment. It's the, it's the mm, you got one foot in the kingdom, you got one foot in, 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 in the world. You're, you're kind of living, you know, one way on Sunday and the rest of the way Monday through Saturday. It's the superficial commitment of it's easy to follow God when we're on the mountaintop. Oh, it's so easy to follow Jesus when things are riding high. But it's not so easy when things get difficult and hard. And I believe, friends, because we live in a broken world, it doesn't matter how good we are or bad we are. The, the sun shines on the just and the unjust. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Because we just live in a broken world. Bad things are going to happen no matter what you do in this life. So I believe we have to make a decision ahead of time. Or, or the times when we face hardships, it can be an easy time to, instead of blaming the devil, the first thing people do often is they, they blame God and they walk away from him. This last week, I was so encouraged by a friend of ours, Faith, who's become our friend in this last year. And uh, Javier was your past, uh, youth pastor years ago, but his wife, Melissa, and daughters become good friends of ours in this last year. And last week, January 2nd, was the one-year anniversary of Javier's death from COVID and after 30 days on the ventilator. 
And she wrote this post last Sunday, and it's too long to read, but there's so much good from it. But what I really saw was a, a commitment that we're going with Jesus no matter what. Honestly, it's what I saw in the Passion Conference. A lot of what the messages were about was don't have a superficial commitment. Decide today, like Joshua. Choose yourself this day whom you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. There was challenges this last week I saw our young people receive of who you're going to go with. Don't, don't go back and let this high leave you, but go with God when you're in the valley too. And this is just some of her words that were posted last week. Javier, your last words to me and the kids before you were put on, put on a respirator were, God's got this. I trusted that. And though I had no idea of the coming storm and that you would be gone, I trust it, I trust it still today. I cannot under, understand why you were taken from me, but I am clearly in a season of preparation. This is drawing me closer to God when I had no thought of that being possible. Javier, this is just honest words. Life is hard, especially without you in it. But with God's constant love, grace, provisions, and comfort, I know I'm going to make it. He has brought me this far, and I know he will continue to walk with me in the years to come. I'm looking forward to the day that you and I are reunited. But until that day, God has a purpose for me, and he's preparing my heart and my mind for it. He has continued to shape me and sculpt me for the service to others, for his service to others, so that they might seek and find him. Melissa, someone who her and Javier many years ago made a commitment they were going with Jesus. No matter what, they were going with God. No matter what took place. And I look at some faces here, I just saw a face right here that I know you've been through some things in the last couple years, but your faith is stayed strong. And even when you feel like you're weak and you were just felt like all you were doing was hanging on, sometimes, friends, hanging on is a victory. Because I believe the devil wants to do two things in our life. Two things. He wants to discourage you or he wants to distract you. He wants to, he wants to discourage you. He wants you to give up on your faith. But this is a message to us that God help us to make that decision today. We're going with you no matter what. The third principle, I must be ruthless with distractions, which I just mentioned the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life that bring no fruit to maturity. The thorny soil is the overcrowded life. This is my greatest concerns for Christians in America today and for Christianity today, is that we have lives that are so crowded because we have so much opportunity. It used to be just the upper class, but the middle class today, even those of us who think we don't have much, we have so much, and we have so many opportunities, and we have so much um, access to, be a do, to do a lot of different things, not bad things, but just things that if we allow them to, and if we're not intentional, they will distract us, and they'll crowd out God. If, God can't, if, if, if the devil can't make us bad, he'll just make us distracted. He'll just divert our attention and he'll put things in our way to keep us from staying focused on him. So many options takes intentionality to, to allow the Lord to, to stay first in our life. We have to be intentional about it. And then, of course, we want this, Luke eight fifteen, 
And the seed that fell on the good ground is like those who hear God's teaching with good, honest hearts and obey it patiently to produce good fruit. So why do some Christians seem to enjoy God more than others? Why do some Christians seem to, 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 um, to grow more than others in their walk with him? Ray Johnson says this, effective Christians are more effective for one reason. Effective Christians commit to habits that ineffective Christians don't commit to. Now, first of all, let me clarify, I'm not talking about salvation. We can't commit to any habit or do anything that's gonna earn God's favor. It's a gift we receive for him. The gift of salvation is something that's given, not earned. But growing in that relationship with him, becoming all that he wants us to be, is, is habit. Life is habits. We have good habits, bad habits. Effective Christians till the ground. They create good environments for growth. I'm gonna share with you three commitments today of effective Christians. That it's not a matter of luck, but it's a matter of tilling the soil, creating good environments for growth. Here's three commitments for spiritual growth this year. Spiritual uh, commitment number one is this, spending time with God. Joshua 1.8 says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. There's a power to spending time with God. Now, there's about 10 things that I wanted to share with you today, but time doesn't allow us to if we want to beat the Baptists and the Methodists to the lines and the buffets and those things today. So on your way out today, you'll get a list of a lot more things that I didn't share everything that I could share today. I'm just sharing three or four, but there's more than that. So the power of spending time with God, here's just a few of them. Number one, it reconnects you with God. Come near to God and he will come near to you. It rekindles your hope. Who doesn't need more hope? You wanna fill your life with hope? invest in time with God. Spend time with him. Allow him to speak to you. Invest in, in your time with church and allowing God to speak to you. Re, it reconnects your hope. It rekindles your hope. It renews your confidence. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. I know when I spend time with God, I know when I spend time with worship, um, there's anxiety in this life. You know, it doesn't say that we'll never have anxious thought. It just tells us, scripture says, when you're anxious, give it to God. I like someone, uh, someone in here has something. I forgot who it was. It says, pray more, worry less. Pray more, worry less. Renews your confidence. And uh, last week I was so encouraged that there was uh, some of our folks that reached out to me this week. I guess maybe I went through it too fast. And they were asking me for some of the, the Bible applications, the, the devotionals. And uh, I was really encouraged that a couple of our seniors uh, reached out to me this week. One was a senior citizen that said, hey, what was that? And the other was a senior in high school that reached out and texted me and said, hey, what was that? And I just, so I want to share the three that I shared last week if you weren't with us or if you need a refresher. These are just ways to create good habits. Start your year off right. If you start 10 minutes with God each day uh, through using something like the Bible app, over 500 Billion or million, I can't remember, whatever. Users are, that wouldn't be 500 billion. There's 7 billion people on the planet. That'd be a miracle. There's five, over 500 million that use the Bible app. And it's a great, today's was a great one. 
easy to, you know, listen to the devotional, read a devotional, but it just gets you into God's Word. Through the Word is a great app. One chapter a day with a devotional about that one chapter. Uh, text refuel. This is a really easy one to do that will re- send you a reminder every day. If you text refuel to 56316, talked about Ray Johnson today, this is his church, and they send out a daily devotional that will come every morning, show up in a text, you click on it, you can watch that devotional. These are ways to fill your heart and your spirit with hope, with encouragement, to, to connect with God by spending time with Him. The second commitment this year, choose to invest in God's work. This is, this is uh, some would call this uh, tithing, choosing to give God first, giving 10%, giving off the top, not off the last, but giving God first. And I just want to share with you, I preached this part of the message strategically on purpose because I didn't want to preach this part when our giving was down, when it was in August or September, uh, but I wanted to preach this after November, December, when our giving is at the, the best two months of the year. This is not a message of give more because we need more. You've been so generous. You've given so much. And God has done some great things. This is we want something for you, not something from you. That God wants to bless you. He wants to use you. And we just know when there's, there's some things I'm going to share with you. Again, there's more, but I'm going to share with you a few. The power of generosity. Number one, it makes me more like God. Our mission around here is help people find and follow Jesus. We just don't want them to find Jesus and be baptized and then we're done. We want to follow Jesus. That's why you're here today. We want to follow Jesus. It helps us when we follow Jesus, when, we, when we're generous, we're more like him. It draws me closer to God. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It demonstrates that God is first place in your life. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. Money, we put our money, this is just common sense. We put our money where we value. You want to know what you value? Where you put your money. So I heard a story just two days ago of a guy, the true story, he was talking about how his, he and his wife were in an argument because she was saying, you don't value what I value. And he's like, sure I do. I value what you. She goes, no, no, you don't, you don't, you don't value my physical health and, and aren't taking care of it. And he goes, hey, I value your physical health. We, I try to take care of our physical health. He goes, no, no, no. I want to do this. You let, we did it for a while. We spent money. It was, it was CrossFit. I love to do CrossFit, this lady said. Uh, the problem with CrossFit was it's about $160 a month investment. And he was like, no, no, you know, I value working out too. And so it's walking the dog. And when it's nice out, an occasional run, we, I value physical exercise. And he goes, the Lord convicted me later when I began to think that I have the premium cable package. I have the highest of the speed of internet package. I have multiple subscriptions that help me do my job right and help me do my job better. Oh, and then I do have time that the money that I play, that I go golfing with without thinking twice about it. And so he said, the Lord began to convict me that I don't value what my wife values. And so he goes, I begin to say, okay, I'm going to fork out that we got a, you know, $160. It's, it's, it, it's how, what we value, what we put our money towards shares what's important to us. It's just a natural thing. And if we value God, I believe we're going to give to God. It helps me enjoy life. All oh, this is the last one. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
We truly want something for you, not just something from you. So if you're at a place right now, you're really struggling with any thought of giving, here's what, do something for yourself that will make your life, God has a plan. He does, his plan isn't for you to be stressed to the hilt, stressed out by your finances, stressed out because you're in debt, America's debt. So a study last week I read, 18 to 35-year-olds, 48% are overwhelmed with their personal debt. They're overwhelmed with their thoughts of their debt. Uh, this last year, our, our national indebtedness, not our national debt, but our personal debt grew by like 70 million. It's now up to 800 billion or something like that, that America is in bondage to personal debt. So we're offering a class at the beginning of this uh, year called Financial Peace. It's been around for a long time. I've taken it. It's been a great class. There's several in this church that have taken it and benefited from it. It's helped you get out of debt, helped you get a plan for your life, helped you to, to not be so burdened and stressed out, but to actually have a plan moving forward. It's not taught by pastors. I'm really excited about that. It's taught by lay people in our church. It's facilitated by them. They've been through it themselves. And so uh, Barry and Gail Wall are going to facilitate this on the 19th of August. Uh, invest $60 in yourself and take this eight-week course. We have child care provided. We also have youth stuff going on on Wednesday nights. So you have a place to come, a place to grow and learn. And I'm telling you, it's going to give you hope. It's going to help you have hope. It's going to help you get a plan, and you're going to have a brighter future if you will just invest in yourself a little bit. I encourage you. We want something for you, not just, we don't want something from you. We want something for you. And finally, the third commitment. Oh, let me tell you how to do that. Uh, text the word Hutch to 94,000. You do that with many other things. About the fourth option down is Financial Peace University. Click on that and it'll walk you through the rest of the way to get registered for financial peace. It's going to be a great time. And by the way, it's not boring. I've taken the class. You'd think, oh, this is going to be awful. But it's funny. <laughs> um, you're entertained. There's some, there's some good to it. So I encourage you, sign up for that class. It'll be a fun time uh, and I encourage you to do that. Third commitment to grow spiritually this year being regularly involved in Christian community. The writer of Hebrews says, let us not give on the, ha up on the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage each other. In the early church, Acts 2, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, when this message series was prepared and planned, one thing, we cannot know the future. We didn't know Omicron was coming. We didn't know there was a new variant out there. And so we know there are more people that are, again, online at home. We're thankful we have that option. We're glad you're there. We're glad that you join us because it'd be easy, just as easy, to click off and turn on the ESPN or something else right now. We're glad you join us or are with us. I'm not someone that says here, let's be stupid, let's not take care of one another. Let's not do our best to protect one another, to help each other. Uh, I'm not of that, but I, I believe that there's been over 800,000, maybe a million now of COVID deaths in the United States. And that's tragic. And we have those personally that we've been impacted by that. But I also believe there's a hidden number, one that is not looked at one that is not measured, but it's the spiritual impact of COVID. That COVID for so many has been a community killer. Uh, when you kill the community, you kill hope. 
Hope rises when we lived in community. God made us for community. He didn't make us for me and Jesus, me and Jesus. He, he died for the church. He, he died that we might have relationship and connection with one another. And my hope increases. This is my, we talked about this last week. This is where I fuel up each week. I fuel up being with other believers, being with you. And I would say this, uh, right now, some of you, the best thing for you to do is to stay home. That's okay. I'm not, I'm not begrudging that at all. I'll also say this. First service is a lot easier to social distance than our second service. I'm just stating facts. And so if those are concerns as well, we have our first service. But I, I would say that people are worried about physical death, and we should be. But there's also should be a greater concern for spiritual death. As Jesus said in Matthew 10, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them fall to the ground outside your father's care? That so encourages me that our God knows each and every one of us and if a sparrow falls to the ground and he knows about it, how much more does he care about you and me? And even the hairs of your head are numbered. He knows the very numbers of our head. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. The power of connecting with other Christians. Let me just share a few of those. Other Christians provide encouragement for me to grow spiritually. Paul said in Thessalonians, encourage each other and give each other strength. Other Christians provide support during tough times. By the way, these here, they're in the notes that are going to be passed out on the way back. So you don't feel like you need to write these down. You'll get them whether you want them or not. You can toss them in the trash or you can use them this week. So either way, other Christians provide support during tough times. Two are better than one because together they are more effective. If one falls down, the other can help them up. I can't tell you how many times in my Christian walk that I've been picked up and helped by the body of Christ, by other believers. Too many times to mention, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for the body of Christ. I'm not just thankful for you in this church. I'm thankful for every church in town that's lifting up the name of Jesus. I'm thankful for my brothers and other pastors in town that are, that are leading the sheep and helping us draw closer to God. Uh, third, other Christians provide accountability. As iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. Other Christians provide opportunity for prayer. Where three, two or three come to gather in his name, he promises to be there. He doesn't need a large crowd like this for God to show up. Two or three come to gather in his presence, he promises to be there. Which, by the way, prayer is a big part of that. Uh, tonight um, at 6 o'clock at Fox Theater, there's a community prayer service it's not led by pastors. It's led by lay people. Um, and they do it once a year. And uh, it's a great thing. It's just simply a time to come and worship and pray together um, to, to praise God, but to, to pray for our community, pray for our world, pray for our nation, pray for our families, pray for our churches. I encourage you tonight to be a part of that. And I'll finish with the words of Paul again to Timothy, who told him, Timothy, young man, take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things for as you do, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and those who hear you. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father.
I pray that you would do what we prayed at the beginning, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to have ears that are listening to what you want to say to us today. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I'm not asking anyone to actually raise their hands today. I just want you to have a you, you and God moment just for a minute. And I want you to think about who you identify the most in this parable of the soil. Do you identify with that hard path? Maybe life's gotten hard. Maybe your, your heart's kind of closed off. Your mind's become less open. Uh, uh, that might be examples of that or a critical spirit. Bitterness, resentment. You just, life's gotten hard and you're, you're having a tough time hearing and listening to God. Just pray, God, would you give me ears to hear? Would you open up my heart again to, to, to receive and to grow? Maybe you've never received Jesus Christ. Your, your heart and your, your mind's been closed to him, but today, today, is, would you give Jesus a try? Or you're watching online, you're in this room, would you give Jesus a try? What do you have to lose, God? You just might pray something like, Jesus, come into my heart, would you forgive me of my sins? I know I haven't given you a chance to this point, but God, I, I, I need you. I'm asking you, Lord, to, if you're real, if you're there, that you, Lord, would come into my heart and my life and change me and help me. Maybe today you're, you have a shallow commitment or maybe you don't know if you have a shallow commitment. You, you, things are good, things are great, but you wanna make the decision today that no matter what, you're gonna go with God. You might just say, God, help my resolve. Help me, Lord, to choose you no matter what comes my way. And don't live like you're going to pray this prayer and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's a terrible way to live. But just trusting that no matter what, God's got this and God has you. He's going to be with you. Maybe you have an overcrowded life right now. There's too many things going on. Maybe the Lord, the Holy Spirit might be convicting you of something that you need to resign from, something that you need to say no to. Maybe even a good thing. There's a lot of good things, but maybe just saying, God, is, there, is my life getting too crowded? Are you getting squeezed out? Is there something that it's, it may even be good, but you're, you're, I'm, I hear you saying to me, I need to let this go and trust you with it. And of course, we're all praying that God would give us a fertile heart, fertile soil, excuse me, and a soft heart to receive him. And to grow in that grace. God, would you be with my friends here today? Would you thank you? Lord, I just want to thank you that they're here. I want to thank you that in the quietness of this moment, that you're speaking. If we're listening, if we choose to, I believe you're speaking right now. I don't know what you're speaking, but I believe that your word is speaking to our hearts today. Would you give us courage to act upon what you're speaking to us about? Would you give us strength and grace, Lord, would you open up our mind and our hearts to all that you have in store for us. Father, we love you today. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises of your word. And Lord, would you help us as we go out into our community now to share this love and this grace with those we come and meet. 
in Jesus' name, amen.